Hi, my name is Dan Ariely, and welcome to Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast about science. Every week, I will talk to one researcher about one project who will have a chat about what they found and what it means for our lives. This week's edition of Arming the Donkeys deals with the question, can you be too moral? Individuals who suffer from scrupulosity, a rare form of obsessive-compulsive disorder, or OCD, are tormented by doubt, guilt, and anxiety about their own thoughts and actions. Jesse Summers, an assistant professor of philosophy at Duke University, talks with Dan Ariely about what it means when doing the right thing becomes an obsession. So you are studying people who are hypermoral, is that fair? That's one way of understanding them. So uh, I study... So first of all, what, what does it mean? So I'm studying people who are diagnosed with scrupulosity. With scrupulosity, and that's the first thing that is important. You have to have a really good word to describe something, otherwise it's not science. That's right. So I could say that I'm studying people who are uh, extremely concerned with morality, but that's, that's long-winded, and no yeah. one's going to believe that that's a real, a yes. real topic. Scrupulosity, that sounds great. That's a real so topic. So what does it mean? So scrupulosity is a form of obsessive-compulsive disorder in which people are uh, especially concerned with morality and or religion. So, for example, a regular obsessive-compulsive disorder are people who wash their hands all the time or make sure that the oven is not on, and these, instead these are people who are concerned all the time with their own morality. And it does tend to be with their own morality. These are not people who are concerned about the morality of others, about making sure that everyone else is doing the right thing. They're very much concerned with their doing the right thing, what they take to be the right thing. And, and is, this, is this a good thing, a bad thing? It does seem like people being more moral should be better, and it seems strange to say that it would be problematic to be too moral. But, but you're not really studying people who are too moral. You're studying people who are more obsessed with their morality. Yeah, but it's a tough distinction to draw. If I find a wallet in the street and it takes me months of trying to track down the person, that's going to be real inconvenience for me. Uh, I'm probably going to have friends who say, look, you really should just give this up. This is not worth your time. But in the end, especially if I accomplish it, I think people would say, you weren't too moral, you were just extremely moral. So it's a tough distinction. To well, unless, unless you gave up on lots of other things, right? You kind of uh, gave up on charity work and progressing your own work and uh, not helping other people cross the street and so on in the, in the process. To the extent that this is a disorder, we have to understand what the disorder is. Because the disorder can't just be that you're too moral and so you have the drawbacks of being moral. Because being moral, especially in a world that is not you know, entirely moral, is going to have some drawbacks. Just like returning the wallet is going to have some drawbacks even in the best case scenario. So it's important to figure out what the disorder of this disorder is. How many, how many people are diagnosed with this? Is this common? It's not common. It's a, it's a relatively rare form of OCD. It's one that's... I think probably the most philosophically interesting form, but it's not a common form of OCD, no. Okay, so, so none of our politicians, for example, are uh, overly concerned with their own uh, moral decision-making. That's not the group that I would look to to find people <laughs> who are obsessively concerned okay. with their morality. Who, who, are, who are these people? I mean, are they, are they uh, wealthy, successful? Are they unsuccessful? The people that I know in the literature... Uh, there's nothing that I would say that would characterize them in terms of their being successful, unsuccessful. But, of course, the, the danger in trying to generalize from the literature is these are people who, who are in treatment and 
were in treatment and distinctive enough that they ended up in case studies in, in the literature. So more men, more women? Uh, more men, as far as I know. I like, knew it! Just, <laughs> just like OCD in general. Just, yeah. uh, you, had to, you had to go and break it. You had to go and destroy it. Like all other, actually, the truth is that all mental illnesses, there are more men than, than women, so it's not, it's not special. Um, so what, what's your, your impressions? What, what, do you what do you take out of this as a philosopher? So what's interesting as a philosopher is that the, the form of, of OCD uh, has some effects on the kind of moral judgments that they form. So for example, uh, because a person is motivated by, OCD is, a, is an anxiety disorder, because a person is motivated by trying to reduce or eliminate his or her anxiety, his anxiety, let's say, um, then what he's what he's doing is he's going to be more focused on things that will soothe his anxiety, not necessarily the things that are the most moral. So give me an example. An example of, of someone who, who has scrupulosity uh, is in, in the literature, her name is Bridget, and she is uh, very concerned with, she's a waitress, and she's very concerned with uh, inadvertently poisoning uh, her customers where she works. Generally a good thing to do. Right, which is a good thing to do. Um, and the way that she uh, expresses this is that she's constantly checking the level of solvents in a room that she otherwise has no reason to go into, uh, precisely to make sure that she's not somehow getting some solvents onto the food. But of course, by going into that room, she's actually making it more likely that she'll poison her customers. Because she can touch something or can... Uh take some solvents out of that room on her shoe or do something like that. That's right. Otherwise, she wouldn't even be close to the solvents. But by checking the solvents all the time, she's making it more likely that she'll... Is she going in with the food to check the solvents or is it time when she's not with food? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. If she's going in with the food, it's even worse. <laughs> yeah, just to check just before she serves it to <laughs> make right. sure there's no solvents. Yeah. So what she's doing, it, seems like, it sounds like she's making a moral judgment. I shouldn't poison my customers. I should take care not to poison my customers. That seems like an ordinary moral judgment of the sort that I would hope any uh, server I ever have in a restaurant is making of me too. But because the thing that she's fixated on is her role in spreading these, these toxins to her customers, she's actually making it more likely, which means that she's not making a moral judgment that we would say, you know, is a full moral judgment actually taking into account all of the, the reasons that she has to do you know, everything that she has to do. Yeah. So she's especially fixated on what would soothe her anxiety, which does have some relationship to the moral thing to do, but she's not first and foremost focused on the moral thing. Yeah, and that's, and that's probably true for all decision-making, right? We can't focus on everything, so we focus on a sub-part of it, and by focusing on a sub-part of it, we have to neglect something else. So you think this is a general lesson about being too concerned with quality of decisions? Forget just this one, is that if I worry too much about the success of my students, or I worry too much about uh, the success of, I don't know what, a particular campaign or a political party and so on. We have to focus on some components of it, and by doing that, we will necessarily give up on some other things that might be quite important. Are you, are you against being obsessive in general? I'm not sure if I'm against being obsessive in general. I do think there might be some more general lessons, but it's hard to know how general the, the, le the lessons might be so general that they're not very helpful for us. So in this particular case, it looks like anxiety has, or the attempt to soothe anxiety, has predictable effects on 
the person's judgment. So they're going to fixate on things that will reassure them that they're not doing anything uh, wrong, or they're going to um, fixate on something where the reassurance is going to be really hard to come by, which is going to validate that the anxiety that they feel is genuine. What we're you know, speculating is, is happening is the person is thinking, I'm feeling really anxious. That could be because God is unhappy with me. But there's nothing that you'll ever come across that will convince you that God is happy with you. So you don't have to worry about... I mean, that's a different kind of delusion that you could have. It's not nothing. I mean, you, you could have that. You could have yeah. the... You could have the... Yeah, that's right. You could have that. That's right. Um, so in general, uh, there's nothing that a person's going to come across that's going to that's gonna, uh, be reassuring. Yeah, yeah, that then I'll think, okay, so God actually is fine with me. So that's going to let my, my anxiety run. Nothing is going to reassure it, but I can continue to think the reason that I have this anxiety is because I still haven't managed to placate God and God is still unhappy with me. Anxiety is going to have certain predictable effects or a person's attempt to soothe anxiety is going to have certain predictable effects on the kind of moral judgments that they form. Whether that's true for other things that a person that motivates a person's moral judgment, I think you'd have to decide on a case-by-case basis whether it is. I mean, it, it's You're basically not willing to commit. That, I think, is the, is the issue here. I'm not even willing to commit to whether <laughs> to, to it's... Not, so you know, when but so, so, so in, kind of in summary, I think the, the interesting thing is, you know, morality, we think there's a, how could there be too much morality, right? That's kind of the, the initial thought. But all of a sudden you say, look, if people are overly concerned with morality, it can actually backfire and actually make people less, less moral, which is incredibly interesting. And the question is, what, what happens to other things as well, right? Are people who are trying to be extra good parents and try to focus all the time on that because of our ability to focus in some directions but not holistically are we also over focusing on some things versus versus others are there any any changes in your own life that you've done since this research any anything are you becoming less worried about morality are you becoming more loose is 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 your wife more worried about you all of a sudden you'd have to ask her but the one of the things that originally motivated me uh, in, in asking these questions about uh, the differences that would come about in a person's moral judgments as a result of, of anxiety was because I was wondering whether some of what we do in professional moral philosophy, even though it looks like moral reasoning, if it's actually motivated by something like soothing our anxiety. Oh, so you now have a complaint about moral philosophers. You say may- maybe moral philosophers are just kind of OCD group of people who are, have not found a way to uh, soothe their own anxiety about their own behavior, so they're choosing philosophy as their, uh, as their profession of choice. Is that, are, are you blaming the prof- are you? That, that is the most provocative way of putting <laughs> the point. Yeah, that's right. I, I do think there are certain elements of moral philosophy where I, I have... Uh, my suspicions about what what's motivating the the pursuit, but it's complicated because that isn't to say that the person doesn't end up with an answer that is the right answer, which is true also in the scrupulous case. It may be that the person who is excessively worried about something, they're still making the right decision. You st- they still should be that worried about getting you know tracking solvents into their you know their their customers' food. So here is here is my summary. I think that more philosophers. Uh, people who go into moral philosophy could have gone to therapy for 40 years and pay a lot of money to therapists. Instead, they become university professors and get paid for the same treatment, uh, but, but it's a really brilliant move, if that's the case, right? 
and they have a society that basically gets them to to be paid and get get help that's that's just amazing that's right and then uh, you know it's it doesn't look like it's a disorder at all it looks like it's a brilliant coping strategy oh I love it thank you very much this has been arming the donkeys a weekly podcast with Dan Ariely of Duke University to further expand your understanding of dishonesty irrationality and other human quirks go to danarielli.com <laughs>